Sound Opinions is supported by Goose Island, pairing beer and music since 1988. Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago, Illinois. Listen critically, enjoy responsibly. There had been abuse in my family, uh, but it was mostly musical in nature. Are you ready to get your world rocked? Ready! Are you ready to get your mind blown? Do it! One, two, three, four! For more than 25 years, the annual South by Southwest Conference has been the place to hear artists on the cutting edge of music. But with more than 2,000 performances, sorting the noteworthy from the just plain noisy is no small task. I'm Jim DeRogatis. And I'm Greg Cott. We brave the crowds down in Austin, Texas, and are ready to report to you the next crop of need-to-know bands. Plus, blue-eyed soul singer Nick Waterhouse. That's all coming up on Sound Opinions. You're listening to Sound Opinions, Jim, and this is one of our favorite shows of the year because we get to recap the South by Southwest Music Conference in Austin, Texas. We've been going since the early 90s. You know, we're tired, we're exhausted, but, you know... We I, sound really bad this we're week. We're still pretty pumped up, right? I mean, we, yeah. we saw some great music down we there. We saw some great music. And I was just remembering, the first year I went, Ann Richards, the governor of Texas, was the keynote speaker. <laughs> I will never forget her holding a little press conference afterwards. We, we were asking her questions about Austin and music, and she kept interrupting and saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, let me get this straight. Y'all are paid to write about music? <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's something I still ask myself Absurd. with amazement every day. So we're going to get to some great stuff from this year's conference. But first, some music news. Oh, man, that is Raw Power by Iggy and the Stooges, the third album from that incredibly influential band. That song infamous, of course, for James Williamson's guitar, but I think just as important for the rhythms. They came from Scott Ashton, the drummer on all three of those first Stooges albums. He died recently at the age of 64. You know, between 1967, when the band formed outside Ann Arbor, and 1974, when it kind of split up for good, Scott Ashton manned the drums and powered that group. Those three Stooges albums laid the foundations for punk rock, and it all started really primitively. They didn't even have a drum set when they started out, so Scott Ashton would bang on 50-gallon oil drums in the garage as Iggy was up front and his brother Ron Ashton was on guitar. Ron later moves to bass for that Raw Power album. You know, Scott came back when the group reunited, originally with his drummer back in the fold, and then with James Williamson, and he was touring in recent years. He did a lot of great stuff that that never really rose above footnote status, but but you and I own those records. Mm-hmm. Stuff like Dark Carnival and Sonic's Rendezvous Band, but he'll forever be remembered for the first three Stooges albums because he took 
that bow diddly rhythm, filtered it through the Velvet Underground, what Maureen Tucker was doing, and sped it up with punk aggression. And then every drummer in punk rock since has paid tribute to him one way or another by stealing that rhythm. Just listen to this song from 1969, the song 1969 from the Stooges' first album. You'll hear what I mean about those tom-toms. My God, what a punishing beating he is giving those drums. Scott Ashton with Iggy and the Stooges, 1969, from the Stooges' debut on Sound Opinions. Well, it's 1969, okay. Walk across the USA. Well, it's another year for me and you. Another year with nothing to do. Well, it's another year for me and you. Another year with nothing to do. That's the Stooges with 1969 in memory of the great drummer Scott Ashton, dead at the age of 64. Black hole sun, won't you come? Wash away the rain. Black hole sun, won't you come? Won't you come? Won't you come? That is Black Hole Sun by Soundgarden from the 1994 Super Unknown album. It was released the same day as Nine Inch Nails' The Downward Spiral, both albums celebrating their 20th anniversary this year. I think in 94, if these two bands had gone on tour, as they have just announced they will tour this summer together, it would have made a lot of sense. But, you know, a lot of things have happened since 1994. Chris Cornell's pretty excited about this tour. He says, you know, the idea of collaborating with Trent Reznor sounds pretty intriguing to me. You know, I, I, I liked this band back in the day. But uh, he might want to talk to Reznor before he decides to collaborate, because Reznor had some unkind words to say about Chris Cornell's solo record from 2009, Scream. Jim, you and I did not like this record either. We asked Reznor about it because he tweeted about it. It was kind of a disfest when we were yeah. all talking about it, yeah. And here's what Reznor had to say on Sound Opinions about that Cornell solo record. I don't know Chris, you know, and I do know what label he's on now, and I do know who's whispering in his ear. Yeah. <laughs> Interscope, that would be, your yeah. former, yeah. And Heavily on the on the With Teeth album. I turned that record in, and I would get back. Maybe we need to put some beats on this record. <laughs> I'm, I'm not making this up. I'm not I making, believe you. And I, 
I'm sure there was someone whispering in Cornell's thing, and he can put that off as some kind of socio-cultural <laughs> experiment. But what it was was a money grab. Yeah. And yeah. when you do that, that you're, failed. you're saying to other people that look up to you, yeah. it's okay to do that. And it, it's not okay to do that. And well, should he gave, be called us, he gave us something historic. I mean, it is one of the worst albums of all time, and that's a real accomplishment. Impressively bad. You're listening to Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Codd with Jim DeRigatis, and each year Jim and I go to the South by Southwest Music Conference in Austin, Texas. This has been going on since 1987, this particular conference. It started with 700 people. It was a fairly regional type of deal. Until the mid-'90s, the new music seminar in New York City went away, and Austin became the center of the music universe for one week in the middle of March each year ever since. 2,000 bands performing at clubs across town. Every mover and shaker in the industry is here, in addition to thousands of fans. Tens of thousands of people register, and you get everything from the most obscure baby bands to huge headliners like Lady Gaga and Coldplay and Jay-Z. And this year was no exception. Bigger in many ways, better? Well, that's a question that has a complex answer. Greg, it'll forever be known as the uh, the first South by Southwest that resulted in fatalities. There was a drunk driver who tried to elude a police checkpoint, sped down at high speed the wrong way down a one-way street, plowed into a crowd, 23 people taken to the hospital, five of them in critical condition. Two of them died on the scene. A third died a few days later. A real tragedy. And I think that some people had this knee-jerk reaction saying instantly South by Southwest has gotten too big. I interviewed several of the uh, off the record for background, several of the founders of the festival. And they're saying, you know, it's become like Daytona. The problem is not the registrants for the conference. It's the hundreds of thousands of people who come to party. We originally set it up during University of Texas's spring break because they all went to the beach, all the kids, right? Now nobody goes to the beach. They all come to Texas, including the kids who live in Florida and California. And even if the conference stopped tomorrow, you'd still have a party with hundreds of thousands of people because the brands have descended. These mm. big corporate brands that are throwing parties that are not really part of the conference but are adjacent to it and building on their buzz. Yes, they're coattail riding on what's going on at the festival, and they are drawing huge crowds as a result with these marquee name performers. Lady Gaga, for one, uh, she did double duty at the festival. Not only did she perform a show for a big corporation to the tune of $2.5 million, uh, reports are saying, she also gave the keynote address. Now, she bristled a little bit about her tie-ins with these corporate sponsors. One of the big criticisms was that she was making her fans jump through all these hoops and become complicit with the snack food company. In other words, part of their advertising, they had to do some social media work in order to gain access to her performance. You know, pretty despicable. Some people called her out on it, and she bristled at that at her keynote address. Here's what she had to say about it. The truth is that without sponsorships, without these companies coming together to help us, We won't have any more artists in Austin. We won't have any festivals because record labels don't have any money. That's Gaga talking about her corporate sponsorship with the snack food company. But in her keynote address, Jim, she goes on to say, hey, you've got to be independent. You can't be answering to these corporations. That's how I started my career. I did exactly what I wanted to do, and I didn't want to answer to anybody. So which is it, Lady Gaga? Do you answer to the corporations and take their money, or do you do it independently? You can't have it both ways. 
But let's get to the good stuff, Greg. Let's get to the music. You and I are both going to share some of our favorite discoveries as we do every year. I saw this band on the first night I arrived Tuesday. Liked them so much. Went to see them again Wednesday. They were a quintet from Sydney, Australia called The Preachers. I was talking to some music journalists from Australia. Australian radio mainstream uh, music media is dominated right now by bubblegum in a way that far surpasses even the U.S., you know, with the Taylor Swifts and the One Directions and all that. And there is a little bit of bubblegum pop to the preachers, but there also is a lot of 80s new wave Chrissy Hind, Debbie Harry, courtesy of this great, cool, disconnected, kind of sarcastic front woman, Izzy Manfredi. And and it's this wonderful pop sound that's part garage, part punk, and part modern bubblegum pop. They have only one EP out so far, Is This How You Feel? I want to play that title track from it. There's going to be more music coming. They've gotten signed. The full album is coming down the road. Let's listen to this, though, first. The Preachers, Is This How You Feel? from the 2013 EP on Sound Opinions. Bright lights, you know right I'm gonna see you again tonight And now you got me started That is, Is This How You Feel from The Preachers, one of Jim DeRogatis' picks from the South by Southwest Music Conference. I also caught a little bit of The Preachers, Jim, and uh, they're exactly as you describe. It is good to see. You know, Australia has this great tradition of hard rock and punk bands, and yep. maybe it's not so ascendant now, but it's good to see a band sort of keeping that torch lit. Uh, Wait, which is your way of saying there's a little ACDC in there, a so you're bit, happy? A little bit. A little okay. bit of that. Right. Very cool. 
Here's an artist that was uh, the talk of South by Southwest in certain quarters, Moses Sumney. And uh, it's remarkable in a way because he doesn't even have a record out, yet he's already attracting this kind of attention. He deserves it. He's uh, well over six feet tall. He comes from an African background, went to UCLA, wanted to write, was a, was a writer, you know, had, was steeped in telling stories, and his lyrics reflect that. Only learned to play a guitar a couple of years ago, but he's developed this uh, beautiful finger-picking style on acoustic guitar, and he's got these delicate falsetto vocals floating over the top. Then he does this thing in concert where he'll, he'll loop like hand claps and finger snaps and various percussion instruments that he's creating, a human beatbox kind of effects with his mouth, for example, and, and layers them underneath the vocals. A very cool touch. Can't wait to see what he does once he gets into an actual studio. But meanwhile, the stuff that's floating out there on the net is attracting all sorts of attention. Um, his audience for one show that I attended included uh, the Columbia Records talent scout Mark Williams, who's been around for a couple decades, signed a number of notable acts going back to the Smashing Pumpkins in the 90s, and pulp singer Jarvis Cocker was a very interested onlooker as well. So he's attracting a lot of attention. This guy will be signed, I think, in the next few months, if not weeks. Meanwhile, there's a few tracks to play. One of them is Alchemy from Moses Sumney on Sound Opinions. I see the eyes like a glassy crystal You got a dream for me, one that I don't know What can I be if I sleep in your shadow? I guess you're the chemist and I'm just the chemical Alchemy But from your magic it make me transform Read of my tragic and to a better form Y'all know it's best is a test of your power I'll be a seed that your feet are cowed Alchemy That's Moses Sumney with a track called Alchemy on Sound Opinions. Coming up on Sound Opinions, we'll continue our running down the best of the South by Southwest Music Conference. And later, we'll review a new album from soul singer Nick Waterhouse. That's In a Minute on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX. No one could be me better than myself, alchemy. Me 
it's Jim DeRogatis, and I'm here on 6th Street in Austin, Texas on Wednesday night. And I had a phenomenal night. I had a night where everything was better than I'd even expected it to be, and I also had some surprises. I saw a phenomenal band from England called Woman's Hour, which is the young woman, and uh, her brother is on guitar. Dream pop, electronic, a little bit of Bjork, but a lot of soul, almost as if The weekend was doing this dream pop soul thing with a little Chardet, you know. This is the sort of night to remind you why you came here. This is Jim Deergatis in the belly of the music industry beast, South by Southwest for my 21st year. Can't wait to hear what Cot came up with. Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Cott. That was Jim DeRogatis. And Jim, you're going to hear what I had came up with in a few minutes. But uh, you were in the belly of the beast. You're right on 6th Street. You can hear the noise uh, in the back. It's like 2 in the morning, right? And it's still, I, I know. It is still going strong I'm paying there. for it now, but I'm, I'm still high on the music. Greg, this is not a discovery so much as a reconnection that I'm going to play next. Cindy Lee Berryhill. I first wrote about her in 1985 with a song that she wrote called Damn, I Wish I Was a Man on the compilation The Radio Tokyo Tapes, Volume 3. She was hanging out with all these West Coast punk bands like the Minutemen, right, who all did acoustic covers, but she was an acoustic artist. In fact, a few years after that debut, she would become a key part of what would be called the anti-folk movement. Artists like Paleface, Brenda Kahn, Michelle Schock, and it all paved the way for Beck. This weird kind of, it's folk music, but it's not really because it's informed by all these other things and it's a little twisted and weird. Cindy Lee spent the last uh, decade or two with Paul Williams, the rock critic that we paid tribute to a few months ago. He died. You know, she's his survivor, and now she is back to making music and writing about what it's like to, after the, the loss of your soulmate, return to dating. Mm-hmm. which is incredibly frank and honest. She played with what she called her garage orchestra. We had a vibraphone, we had percussion, we had cello, and it was kind of fleshed out. She was playing these new songs about this trepidatious move toward trying to connect with people romantically again to continue her life and noticing that on Match.com and in the world in general, there are two types of people. There are cat people and there are dog people. All right, Now, in the Wrong hands. This could be precious. This could be twee. Cindy just has this charm, though, that she can sell a song like this. And if you think about it, it really is true. And of all the arbitrary things that you can choose about, you know, how will I connect with this person, whether they're a cat person or a dog person or or me, none of the above. I'm really allergic <laughs> to both. Is is pretty good. So this is an album that's going to be coming out hopefully later in the year via Kickstarter. I like Cats by Cindy Lee Berryhill on Sound Opinions. One, two, three. Thank you. 
Cindy Lee Berryhill with I Like Cats, hopefully from an album we'll hear later this year. Greg, what do you got for us? Jim, you and I both saw this band at South by Southwest, and they made quite an impression, Temples out of the U.K. No yes. Less, no less an authority than Noel Gallagher of Oasis. You know, is there more no more authoritative tastemaker in England than Noel Gallagher, right? Says they're the best new band out of the U.K. You can take that with a grain of salt, but they do owe something to that Brit-pop movement from the 90s that Oasis led. They also hearken back to that early 90s a British shoegaze movement, those big oceanic guitars. They love to dive into that deep pool where they create these swirling rhythms. But the other element that I think made them stand apart from all of that was the swagger. There's a sexiness in there. You know, the singer James Bagshaw, if you just took a quick glimpse at him from a distance, you go, wow, that guy kind of looks like Mark Bolin of T-Rex. Mm-hmm. He's got a little bit of that sexiness to him, and and they brought that to their vocals and also to that rhythmic underpinning. They've got a debut album out now called Sun Structures, and here's a track from it called Shelter Song from Temples on Sound Opinions. Shelter song from a new band out of the UK called Temples that we liked at South by Southwest. Jim, what do you got next? Yeah, I did like that band a lot, Greg. We were both there. And I know you I always get that, that you know, you have this evil look when you see <laughs> me come into a club or vice versa. And I don't mind. You know, it's like it's not like we're, we're competitors anymore. <laughs> I mean, we're both going to share the love of this music, you know, but you, I'm glad you talked about them. I had a complete and utter surprise. I was at a club waiting for the show by Woman's Hour, which I spoke about earlier via that tape. And in the back, you know, in Austin, they just kind of throw open the back and put a tent over it, the back, like, patio outside the club. And then that's like two venues, right? Mm. The venue inside and the venue outside. There's this band that had come all the way from Budapest, 
hungry. And there's five of them. Plus, they have like two or three people with them to sell their buttons and their CDs. Right? I was blown. Like, like how much effort did it take to come from halfway around the world? And you know, there's no like Hungarian Arts Council grant or anything. Mm-hmm. The the blood, sweat, and tears for this band to come to play to almost nobody. And if I wasn't there, you know, I don't know if anybody would have written about them. But they were extraordinary. The energy of the early Flesh Tones when they were taking that '60s garage rock and revving it up to punk rock overdrive and you know jumping in the crowd and the hand claps and everybody has to chant and the you know the tambourine becomes the dominant instrument Mm -hmm. you know a wheezing vox continental farfisa organ sound a little bit of metal edge guitar the the only guy who didn't look like he could have been on a 1965 rolling stones album cover was the guitarist who some for some reason was wearing kiss like spiked shoulder pads (laughs) i you know I, i have no idea what passes for for retro 60s fashion in in Budapest but it was just this crazy stew and, and an explosion of energy and then it was over and you think and then tomorrow they're going back to Hungary, right? Mm-hmm. I bought a CD. I was way down with them and I said I have to play this. So this is from their 2012 album Mama don't you recognize Ivan and the Parasol? Question mark. They have a new album out. The, the lead singer Ivan Vitaris apparently was unaware that this was what he said. We will have our new album in March. Mm-hmm. I was like, Ivan, it is March. Like we're seeing you on the 16th or whatever. I don't know. There was no new album, but there was this album. They played this song in concert. It was great. 1965 by Ivan and the Parasol on Sound Opinions. Ivan and the Parasol, that's P-A-R 
A-Z-O-L, Greg. You know, you, sh- you should have seen them. You would have loved that keyboard sound. So many bands, so little time, Jim. That's what I have to say. People ask us, how do you find out, out of those 2,000 bands, who do you figure out to go see? I'll tell you some of the ways we find out. Somebody like Jeff Travis, who you respect, a talent scout that goes way back. I mean, here's the guy that signed the Smiths, right, to right, their right. original contract. He knows a thing or three he about music. He knows a few yeah, things. Yeah. He comes over, and you know he'll ask you, like, what have you seen? And I'll tell you, and I'm, yeah. I'm trying to impress Jeff Travis with what I've seen. Not going to work. I got a band for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? And I'd heard a little bit about Benjamin Booker, the artist that I'm going to play next. Jeff Travis has, in fact, signed this artist to his label and is putting out a record by him later in the year. But I didn't really have a sense of what he was all about until I saw Benjamin Booker live. It's a duo type of situation. Benjamin Booker, this New Orleans singer-songwriter, guitar and vocals over the top of some drums, and it is absolutely ferocious. Blues, soul, boogie combination. It reminded me a little bit of some of those Hound Dog Taylor records that Alligator Records here in Chicago was putting out in the early 70s, that house-rocking, blues, boogie sound. Just very ramshackle, very raw, and and very in-your-face. It sounded terrific at this outdoor stage where I saw Benjamin Booker perform. As I said, new record out later this year. Here's a track from it, Violent Shiver, from Benjamin Booker on Sound Opinions.
Violent Shiver by Benjamin Booker, one of Greg Cott's South by Southwest 2014 favorites. What about you? Did you make the pilgrimage to Austin? Share your experience or any of your sound opinions by calling 888-859-1800. We'll be back after a short break on sound opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX with our final South by Southwest discoveries and the latest from Nick Waterhouse. South by Southwest Music Conference. It's Thursday night. This is the birthplace of psychedelic music, and that tradition is alive and well. They have a psych fest here every year, and they had a band from Portland, Oregon, Blouse. Their take on psychedelia was to channel British shoegaze, very reminiscent of Lush, with that female vocalist on top of these cascading guitars and a driving rhythm section. There's a band, Spires, out of New York City that has a more melodic, harmony-drenched take on psychedelia there was a band Cosmonauts out of Northern California that wants desperately to sound like the Jesus and Mary chain and Spaceman 3 and we're doing a really good job of it and then topping the night off band out of Japan Bo Ningen four guys hair cascading down their back down to their butts over the top stage show kind of these kabuki dance movements on top of these raging guitars and these kind of industrial rhythms something you can't really translate on record you have to see this band live thursday night south by southwest in austin texas welcome back to sound opinions i'm jim derogatis you just heard greg cott in psychedelic glee after what was it called austin psych night or something I decided that would be way too much of a cliche for me. So I was stumbling up and down 6th Street trying to find new discoveries, and I found some good ones Thursday night. My cliched night of the trip was when I saw the Lou Reed tribute. You know, I wanted a good musical wake for the late Lou Reed, and it was four hours of spectacular Lou Reed covers. Just an amazing thing to see. But the final discovery that I'm going to talk about is very much in the vein of those psychedelic bands you were talking about. Witches is a young trio from the UK that is steeped in that Jesus and Mary chain, early Pink Floyd, Spaceman 3, psychedelic drone. Isn't it weird, Greg, how sometimes these influences come out of the wash? Mm -hmm. Nobody's mentioned Spaceman 3 in like 15 (laughs) years. You and I loved them, right? And then suddenly, like, wow, there's big influence again. It could have been derivative, but these kids were coming at it with such energy and excitement and such dedication to trying to destroy this club's sound system. You know, I, my innards were vibrating physically. People were, were, were heading to the door 
as fast as they possibly could. It was wonderful. I loved it. Because, you know, that psychedelic dreaminess coupled with the sonic aggression, that was something that a lot of bands missed when they tried to do Spaceman 3. It was in your face like punk, even if it was very slow and dreamy. This is a song called Digsaw by Witches, and that's W-Y-T-C-E-H, I should note, on Sound Opinions. That's Digsaw by Witches from the UK, a cool psychedelic trio. Greg, still not even a full album out. We hope that there's one coming in 2014. The last discovery is yours. What is it? Jim, I was so happy to see this band on uh, Saturday afternoon, last full day of the music conference. We'd been talking about them all week, our producer Jason Saldana and I, and Jason gives me a call while I'm over at the Austin Music Conference. They're on now. Come over here and see them. (laughs) Middle of the day. It's raining in in Austin. It's kind of a dreary day. I walk into this dang club. There's maybe, what, 15, 20 people there, and they are just awesome. I'm so happy I'm there to see this set by this band out of Detroit, Proto Martyr. They have a singer, Joe Casey, who looks like a guy dressing in my dad's clothes. He's at the, you know, the guy at the end of the bar talking to himself. Well, he's up on stage doing this thing. And the first thing I'm thinking is the Falls Marky Smith. It's almost a sing-speak style of singing. Not only that, he seems to be glaring at something over the shoulder of his guitar player who's standing to his right. He's not really even looking at the audience. He's just sort of blurting out this stuff. And it's kind of this conversational tone. And all of a sudden, he's lunging at you. Not not physically, but verbally, suddenly the voice rises and he just grabs you by the throat and he goes, whoa, this guy's agitated. And, and, and part of what he's singing about is what's going on in Detroit, what's going on in his own head or some combination of the two. You really get this sense of like this almost psychological journey with this guy. 
the band is terrific. They have a very minimalist kind of sound. The guitar player delivering all these kind of single note runs that suddenly crash into these chords behind the uh, rhythm section. Again, I like to make a comparison, early public image limited, that sort of post-punk British sound vaguely, but uh, also a little bit of that Detroit garage punk in there as well. Every note counts. There's not a wasted note in this band's musical discography, and Casey is an arresting frontman by basically doing the exact opposite of what every other frontman was doing at South by Southwest. Here's a track from the band Proto Martyr, Come and See on Sound Opinions. That was Come and See by Proto Martyr, Greg Cott's final pick from South by Southwest 2014. To see our complete list, go to soundopinions.org. And to share yours, call 888 888-859-1800.
You're listening to Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Cott with Jim DeRogatis, and that's a track called High Tiding from Nick Waterhouse and a new album called Holly. You know, Jim, people might ask us, like, whatever happens to those bands you hype after South by Southwest? Whatever happens to those bands you said are going to be the next big thing, or at least in your world are going to be? Well, Nick Waterhouse was one of those bands that I talked about from South by Southwest a couple years ago, really impressed with the live show. And uh, lo and behold, here he is with a new album out. Waterhouse grew up in Southern California, playing in bands there, went to college in San Francisco with the idea of getting a straight job. His parents were like, hey, you need to get a real job now, Nick. He was absolutely miserable. I decided, you know, I got to at least play music part of the time. And uh, went back to a studio in Southern California to cut a track called Some Place. He was very steeped in old blues soul and swing records while he was in San Francisco. And he wanted to bring back some of that sound. Well, that record took off. His friends encouraged him to form a band to actually play out and publicize this single. So he put together a band, eventually cobbled together a debut album that became Time's All Gone in 2012. And now, you know, some of his music is starting to pop up in commercials, and you're starting to hear a little bit more about this guy. He's very ambitious in the way he kind of delivers the music in terms of the band is oversized. He's got backup singers. He's got saxophones. He's trying to channel a little bit of what some of his heroes like Ray Charles did in the 50s or the great jazz pianist Mose Allison and bring that into the 21st century. He's got a new album called Holly. Here's a track from it called Dead Room from Nick Waterhouse on Sound Opinions. Dead Room by Nick Waterhouse from the new album Holly. Greg, you, you can't hate this guy. He is borrowing from the best, you know. There's a lot of Stax Volt in there, a lot of Wilson Pickett, John Lee Hooker, Mose Allison you mentioned, right? But it still is a little sterile sometimes the way that Lenny Kravitz can be. You know what I mean? What I like about this record in particular is there's more grit than many retro revivalists, okay? I suppose you could listen to this whole show and call me inconsistent. I was talking about a band from the UK that's borrowing from Jesus and Mary Chain, and I loved it. Talking about a band that was doing the 1965 garage rock thing, and I loved it. There's just, you know, when I see Waterhouse doing his thing with the fashion, as cool as those horns are, and then it's in a TV commercial for a luxury automobile. <laughs> it's just like, honest to God, why you should play this before any record by Wilson Pickett or Mose Allison. <laughs> There's 20 or 30 records you should play first before you get to Nick Waterhouse. So it, it's a try it for me. 
Jim, I don't think you're giving him enough credit for the ambition he's shown in this record. He's got a little bit of that California noir thing in there. He's creating that sort of a scenario here, sort of the dark underbelly of Los Angeles and relating it to some of his experiences in this band. You know, the whole idea that good art should unbalance what the listener expects. And I think while there's this retro tag thrown at this guy, he's updating it in a way that to me is really interesting. What I like is that he's channeling the good stuff, that snap, that swing, that sense of surprise that is in the best of those old records. His version of Mose Allison's Let It Come Down, I mean, here's a guy who's maturing before our eyes and ears. I thought the first record was pretty good. I think Holly's even better. I think it's a buy-it record. So that's a try-it from me, a buy-it from you for the new Nick Waterhouse album, Holly. What do we have on the show next week, Greg? Next week, Jim, we're going to have a discussion with the author of a definitive biography of the Allman Brothers in what will probably be the Allman Brothers' last year as a band together. Greg, as always, we have some thank yous to say on the way out. Sound Opinions was produced by Jason Saldana, Robin Lynn, Anthony Martinez, and our intern, Jake Smith. Sound Opinions, everyone's a critic. So give us a call on our hotline, 888-859-1800. New messages. Hi, this is Aaron Scheimer from Evanston, Illinois. And I was calling about the Minuteman show, the interview, listening to Mike Watt. He's like a shaman, a rock and roll shaman. I've learned that a record actually is work uh, in the noun. It's here after you're gone. Yeah. Like children almost. You know, people ask me why you do what you do now. It's all from them days. And even though the Minutemen didn't sound like punk rock, as much as most bands, most hardcore bands during the 80s, they acted like a punk rock band and they were the spirit of punk rock more than anybody else. And whenever I listen to Double Nickels on a dime, I just want to drive a van up and down the Pacific Coast Highway and blast that album. It's a great show. Thanks, guys. I'm a victim of factless and love the girl But the world was wrong and I was forced to march in line Finally it felt like handcuffs but she's disregarding my pronouns I am defeated, I'm a cool damn clay Hi, my name's Rick. I live in Nashville, Tennessee. I just caught your interview with Mike White and that Double Nickels on the Dime album has changed my perspective on punk rock. When the first time I picked it up at 15, small town in Tennessee, you catch something that cool, and and you can't compare it to anything else. And it just drove me to continue to find every kind of music. This is punk rock, Talking Heads is punk rock. Man, what else is there? But yeah, right, Mike Watt, man. Rock and roll. Hi, my name is Dave. I'm from Chicago. And I wanted to say that you guys did an excellent job with the interview with Mike Watt last week. And I believe that a debt is owed to Black Flag and SST Records for helping to bring the Minutemen to, to some level 
of popularity. They were big major champions of the band back in the day and were often seen right in front of the stage at the shows in Hollywood. Gimme, gimme, gimme! I need some more! Gimme, gimme, gimme! Go ask what for! One, two, three, four! Stand here like a loaded gun! Uh, yeah, I was just calling. I just listened to the interview with the gentleman from the Minutemen, and there was kind of the question posed at the end of that about who do you know who's jamming Econo right now? And a couple of weeks ago, I was at this show, and I saw this band. They're calling themselves Jesse and the Revelator, and they have an album. It was mostly recorded while the one member was away with the Peace Corps. He just kind of had a microphone. A statue to you and the servitude that you allow me. But yeah, yeah, I uh, thought that they had a, a really cool kind of down and dirty, lo-fi, grassroots sort of story. And that really comes through in the music. Uh, so I passed that along. Great. Thanks for the program. Really enjoy it. Bye. We got a way to To give us your opinions on Sound Opinions, call our hotline, 888-859-1800. We'll be back next week with more Sound Opinions, produced by WBEZ Chicago and distributed by PRX. 